holiday edition of the Bearded Carcast. It is season three, episode 18, and a very Merry Christmas, Mike. Yeah, Merry Christmas, Dave, and Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, whatever everybody believes. Hopefully, uh, they just do it in the spirit of love, peace, and happiness for all. Okay, something that my wife greatly believes in is holiday lights. You know, people put oh, yeah, up their, yeah, yeah. their Christmas lights or their holiday lights. Do yeah. you put up lights at your home? We kind of looked like a car in the sense of we had lights. We had the blinker on, but we didn't have the other side on. So we had like one set of lights going the other side. I don't think they ever got uh, got done. But we, the neighborhood, everyone decked out in the neighborhood and uh, looked looked really good. If uh, if you drove down Providence Road, Dave, heading south, um, right after uh, people that don't know Charlotte are going to think this is bizarre, but it's the truth. So Providence, if you're going north towards Charlotte, uptown, it takes a right at Sharon Road. So if you're going the opposite direction, so if you're coming from that intersection south towards South Charlotte, people on both sides of the street, I don't know if they coordinated or if they just copycatted yep. each other, but they have like... Like uh, maybe a foot and a half of red lights, then white lights, then red lights yep. on top on all the trees. Yeah, we, we saw that. Nicole and I drove around a few nights ago and kind of checked out a few of the notable holiday uh, ensembles uh, in, in the Charlotte area. There is an area near your house. We, we saw exactly what you're talking about. But there is an area near your house that has something that I've never seen before community that has like lit up colorful circles or or balls oh. as opposed to all of the lighting on the individual houses they just have lined like the trees with these circular colorful balls that oh. are really lovely yeah no, i have never seen that but it gets did everybody you have a in festive... what do we exactly. have a tradition do we have yeah a tradition? Well, well growing up did you do something um Let's see. We baked cookies. We would do the tree together um, and eat a lot of food and open presents. But nothing with lights. Nah, no, my parents weren't really into lights. I mean, I think we had, uh, I think they did string the outside lights. Um, we had a couple of giant, like, I forget what kind of shrubs they're called. And uh, it, But then it got too tall for my dad to string the lights on it without killing himself. And that was the end of that? <laughs> That was kind of the end of that. No, we would do, I guess our lighting tradition was simple and modest. It was, uh, my mother would put, um, in all the windows, we would have the, uh, like, lit up candle. So okay. we, would, we would do that. Okay. Uh, I don't remember anything besides, I mean, we did some lights, but nothing crazy. Uh, when you drive around and you see what different people do, do you critique them or do you enjoy them or do you kind of not even notice them? I'd say it's between three and four. Uh, I mean, I I don't I wouldn't say I critique them. Uh, I would say that I enjoy them, but I but once I'm past it, I don't really give it much thought anymore. And I think they're kind of lovely. I think it's a nice ambiance and it's oh, no pleasant. Doubt. But I can't imagine the effort it takes to do it and then take them down. Oh no doubt, no doubt. Well, and you know the. People get really crazy with trees, right? So, um, you know, we used to have all sorts of... Uh, hi, Faith. You want to say hi to Dave? She's trying to bite the microphone. Um, so... Maybe she's got something to say. <laughs> she's got something... You got something to say? Say, arf! 
and I can't get her to do it. Um, so yeah, we would do you know the ornaments and the stuff that we made in school and and all that, and then the the tree would probably be up and gone in eight day, eight or nine days. You know, we'd do a couple days before, then keep it up for a day or two, and then it was taken down and out on the street. You've seen Jeff Schwartz on Twitter, yeah. and and his, it's hilarious. His wife wants that, uh, wants that tree out of there. I mean, if it doesn't happen on Christmas Day, she wants it out before then. Well, it's hilarious. It's like they open gifts and then boom, that thing gets tossed to the curb. So we're kind of the opposite. <laughs> so Sam wants to get that tree up as early as possible. In fact, she's getting to be as bad as some of the stores here. And what I mean by that is, like, if if I would. Not that I would allow it, but Halloween. Yeah, I think she would do it the day after Halloween if if uh, if she didn't think you know it was weird. She would definitely. She doesn't think it's weird. And I then don't. and then and then keep it through like uh, the Masters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I think it's more like the NBA playoffs. So it comes down for a few. Wow. No, so um, yes, and this year we actually didn't get the tree up um, until I'd say it was like December, maybe eighth or tenth. I mean, it was a little bit later this year. When will it go down? Um, probably, what's so we're taping this today, it's the 26th, probably in the next uh, 48 hours, maybe by Sunday. So you don't get a ton of life out of it. I mean, you're talking about three weeks. But here, so here's the thing. This was a steal. Uh, we got a, and I'm not a huge fake tree guy, but the tree that we have um, is a very good representation, uh, a good replica of a real tree, and uh, it was a, Black Friday, no, yeah, it was a Black Friday deal where uh, actually my buddy Brian was out at a store and saw it because they had talked about it, and so he actually purchased it for us, and then we gave him the money for it, if I remember that story hmm. correctly. But it was uh, like 50% off or something. It was, I mean, it was a great deal, fantastic deal. So we're recording this during the Independence Bowl with Louisiana Tech leading Miami 7 nothing, and I'm sure there are dozens of people that really care about that. <laughs> dozens? <laughs> I think that's in the well. I mean, it's dozens because it's actually double that. It's in the hundreds, and only because there's parents on both sides, and maybe some alumni. Yet the TV ratings will be really good because it's the only thing on, and there are a lot of people off of work. Well, and look at Twitter yesterday. How many people were like, "Hey, man, I wish it was football today." So, I mean, there is that. Well, there was an appetite for it. Well, no, but more sophisticated college. Uh, maybe people were looking more for I, NFL I, I, games, but. Um, I, I woke up yesterday morning and my entire Twitter timeline was on Hawaii and BYU. Yeah. I mean, that game was played on Christmas Eve. I mean, it, it, I am told that that is one of the biggest bet on games, college games of the year, because it's a standalone game. It's the only game going on. So if you want to watch, if you want to wager, that's your only option. So uh, our buddy Jason Benetti, he likes to put the picture up of, you know, who do you, who's the first person you think of when you see this picture? And he did that of the um, Aloha Bowl, wherever that stadium's called now. And I didn't get a response, Dave, but I thought it was clever. I said Mike Mamula because uh, in 19 – it was 1995, so end of the 1995 season, BC played K-State in that game. Mike Mamula had a monster game. So not that he wasn't on the radar of scouts, but he kind of moved up, I think, in some people's eyes and then went to the Combine and was a Combine warrior and then was drafted first in the 96 draft by the Eagles and then um, had an okay career, but you never really heard anything from him after that. Did you watch any NBA yesterday? Uh, just, the, I mean, the, we were, it was beautiful out yesterday and we were out at friend's house. They did not have the game on. 
Uh, but I did kind of keep tabs of the Celtics game because, as people know, I'm from Boston, and I like the Boston teams. And with Kemba Walker, thank you, Hornets. Uh, Celtics looking pretty good, Dave. And, um, you know, they're, they're uh, you know arguably, maybe not arguably, they're definitely top three, top five in the East. Uh, you know, Milwaukee obviously is um, doing some great things, and they uh, they lost yesterday to Philadelphia. Um but uh, in Boston beat Toronto, which, uh, you know, Fred Van Fleet, Wichita State guy, put up 27 against the Celtics in that game. But uh, So I, I didn't go crazy on uh, the whole buffet of basketball. Uh, but that normal, that, well, actually, you know, when you say something about tradition, uh, you know, going back to the 80s, I believe this was a tradition. And, you know, we would always, the Celtics usually played, I think, on Christmas back then. So I think we would have the game on just because the Celtics were playing. But, um you know, but it used to it used to be like just one or two games. It seems like five is a lot compared to what it well, used to be. Well, I mean, they can make more money, so why yeah. not play? No, another I'm not game? criticizing. It's it. just my interest in the NBA in December is so marginal, and like it seems to me, there are people watching the Independence Ball. There are certainly NBA fans, very, very about some really good matchups yesterday in the NBA. Obviously, the Clippers and the Lakers might be the two best teams in the league, so that's a really big game. But the number of sporting events that everybody is engaged and interested in, it seems to me has dwindled dramatically. What do you know that everybody watches other than the NFL? Yeah, I wouldn't say... I mean, maybe the specialty things, like maybe you know Sunday at the Masters... Um, you know, maybe the the fourth day of any other major. Um, yeah, one-offs. There, right? there are I certainly mean, NCAA lot, tournament games, here. right? But um, you know, but when you look at in day in and day out, um, yeah, I don't. I, I mean, look, nobody put. Look, what do they? Did, didn't you remember? Um, a couple this happened a couple times this year where the NFL has. You know, they're always releasing their. You know, when especially when they're good, their rating stuff, and. uh I think week in and week out, the you know NFL games are, you know, the majority of the top ten TV pro, you know programs watched throughout the week. I just don't know that there's anything regular season that people watch like I, I don't know, and maybe this is this is being old and and not really paying attention, but like it seemed to me there was a time where a big X, Y, or Z regular season game, a, a Celtics-Lakers game. And maybe it was because there were so few games on TV, so you only got to see those teams a certain number of times, or a Yankee-Red Sox game, or whatever it might be. Everybody was watching. And I, I know the NBA on Christmas is a huge deal. It's kind of the unofficial kickoff of the season. But if you didn't want to watch those games... It was very easy not to and not feeling like you missed anything because the playoffs are, you know, a quarter or, or a third of a year away. I mean, if you don't know who won the NBA games yesterday, it doesn't impact anything. No, that's that's fair. That's a good that's a good point. And the only thing I would say though is, um, and this is not a good or bad thing, just a, a, an observation. But you know, you had some some of the best NBA talent on display yesterday. Uh, you had some of the no tra- question. You had traditional powers who are starting to get back. Uh, you know, obviously the Lakers with AD and and LeBron uh, going up against the Clippers with Kawhi Leonard and, and our new friend Paul George, um, who we saw and didn't, <laughs> didn't meet when we were out in Fresno. 
Um, you know, I, I listened back. That's Winthrop's off for 12 days between um, the final non-conference game and the league play starting in early January. And each day I've been listening to one of our games. And I actually listened is this the 12 days to the of Fresno Winthrop? State game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, they they they've played about twelve games, so yeah. it gives us it gives us you do a game a day, and you're kind of caught up to where the year is. And I was listening back to the Fresno State game yesterday. It was it was a very merry Christmas listening back to uh to Fresno State and Winthrop. And uh, I mean, I know it was the case during the game, but we didn't have a ton of time to reflect on it because quickly the next day Winthrop played St. Mary's, but. The crowd at that game was horrible. Yeah. I mean, like, they cared when Paul George showed up and Paul George got his jersey retired. Right. They, they, they cared they for halftime. They were apathetic about the basketball game. Yeah, yeah they came for halftime. Yeah. I mean, but, like, if you can't get excited for one of the 15 games you're going to play at home the entire season, how do you get excited about one of 42 home games? NBA games or one of 81 regular season baseball games like, like regular season games by large part outside of the NFL have just become you know kind of they're there and if you want to enjoy them great it, it almost feels like those long seasons have turned in to the minor league baseball season where you go to see friends and drink a beer and enjoy the ambiance, but the game is, you know, it, it's just there. Well, you, We've talked about this before, and, and I've felt this, and I think this speaks to what you're saying is, I mean, I do feel like there is an oversaturation of sports. Not to say that individual moments or, you know, the NFL or playoff game, like that stuff can all cut through the noise, but I think the the tolerance or the margin for noise has gotten higher in the sense of I think people can tune in and maybe almost buffet style it when they want to, but it's not, um, you know, it's not top of mind. I think some of that has to do with the fact that, you know, leagues have expanded to 30 and 32 teams. Uh, I think the rise of, you know, colleges, and I also, and I know this is crazy, and you and I both grew up reading newspapers. I think how we consume our 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 information has it, it's increased and shrunk at the same time, right? And what I mean by that is you have more access to information now, but I think most people are targeting more what they read to things that they want to read. Whereas before, if you read a newspaper, yes, you would read those stories that interested you. But you know there might be a you know right next to your Warriors game story, you know there might be a, a game in brief about the Celtics game, and you might not have paid attention to that if you didn't look at that warrior story, right? And, and I know that still yep. exists online, but I think because, I don't know, there's something to me about having information on a two-and-a-half by three-foot piece of paper that you keep tr switching pages as opposed to pages where you just click on that page. I mean, how lazy are we on the line, right? I mean, it's like you, you don't want to go like the clickbait, right? You don't, you don't want to go three clicks into the same story. So it's, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's a subtle thing, a but I think it's there. I think you make a good point about the number of teams. So if you had 24 teams, 
the quality of play and the importance of the games was greater. Now you have more teams. The level of play isn't as high. And oh, by the way, they're all available on TV. So for a while, if you had 24 teams and only the six best were on TV, the eight best were on TV because not as many games were on television, you were really seeing the best of the best. Now to watch Louisiana Tech and Miami, well, what are you watching? The 35th and the 48th best college basketball teams? Wasn't there a time, maybe I'm missing this, wasn't there a time where if you went to a ball game, you were pretty good? Oh, yeah. Well, and I think the other thing, Dave, too, is remember, like, appointment television has has gone away. And what I mean by that is, you know, like, when we used to come home, you know, after, you know, after high school, after practice, you know, my mother would have the nightly news on, like, at 6 o'clock. And then we'd watch the, I mean, we'd watch the local news, then we'd watch the nightly news, and you'd watch, you know, MASH or Jeopardy or whatever, and then the 8 o'clock primetime stuff. Um, You know, we didn't have access to sports. I mean, you know, Monday Night Football, and this is pre-cable, which I know people don't really you know, think that that time existed, but I, I, I'm, I lived it. Um, you know, I mean, your your sports outside of the independent stations like Channel 38 in Boston that would carry the Red Sox and the Bruins, um, the Celtics, I think, were on Channel 56. Um, and, of course, the Patriots already always had that, the, the, the NFL and the, you know, the major networks, and that was always appointment television. But that was, right, I mean, Monday night was football and baseball. You, you probably might have a game... I don't know if you'd have a game during the week except for playoffs. And then you had college football, college basketball on Saturday and Sunday, and the NFL on Sunday. I mean, everything was more tightly narrow-focused when you could watch things. Like, during the week, it was more. Now, with the proliferation of cable, you know, that has opened up, I mean, even our games. I mean, 20 years ago, uh, maybe even 25 years ago, you know, people only heard about Winthrop and Liberty and High Point in the newspaper. You know, now you can go on your computer and watch our games on the ESPN+. Plus. Right. If you lived in Rock Hill and you wanted to see and find out what was going on with Winthrop, you either went to the game or you waited and got the newspaper the next day or you listened to it on the radio. Now you can check the score on the bottom line of ESPN. You can put up the live stats. You can put on the ESPN Plus broadcast. There are a million ways to get everything. And that's, I think, it's it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. Because I think it, it, it tends to water down what people can watch because there's just so much out there. you know. And then This you, is the bearded yeah. carcast. It's watered down. That's why we have as many <laughs> listeners as we do. It's very watered down. No, the, Alongside- the, the bearded carcast, Dave, is very focused. So focused. What is it we're talking about? Laser focus. <laughs> we have laser focus today, Dave. Mike Pacheco, I'm Dave Friedman. This is the Bearded Carcast. We'd love to hear from you in the new year. Email us at beardedcarcast at outlook.com. You can listen on Stitcher and SoundCloud and iTunes. Hope you'll leave us a review. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, and we can tailor the program to you, one of our couple dozen of listeners. Now, we talked about the games of not so much importance or of marginal importance or games that some people care about and others don't. But coming up this weekend, 
we kind of have games that everyone is paying attention to. Saturday, we have the two college football playoff games, and then Sunday, it's week 17 of the NFL, where every team plays on Sunday, and the playoff bracket will be set. Let's start with the games on Saturday. How much of the day are you dedicating? Are you locked on the TV from 4 p.m. until midnight to watch the two games? Is there one you're more interested in than the other? Is it kind of a, a side note to you? Like, like, how important are these games? Well, Dave, you have to understand that my day starts at 2 o'clock on Saturday when uh, Winter Women's Basketball takes on Hampton. Right. So I have Which is even, a perfectly timed game it's because it's be over by four. It's a great appetizer that, for that. A great appetizer. A great appetizer. And, and they're playing well. And they're playing well. Yeah, they won the last two games. So um and then uh, we have uh you know our our you know we have uh, our friends that we travel with uh and every year we do uh, Christmas together. We didn't have time to get everybody together before uh the holiday, so we're going to do that Saturday. Uh, and what's great about that is, uh, you know, Brian and Keith, my buddies uh, in this group, uh, like sports, so we'll have that game on. So we'll be, uh, when we're not actually eating, I'm sure we will have, uh, we usually have um, both TVs on, like one in the kitchen and then one in the, in the TV room where the fireplace is. So we're, we're usually pretty dialed in with uh, sporting events when, you know, when we have this uh, this get-together. So, we uh, yeah, I'll be watching it. I don't know that I'll be... Uh, analyzing it and taking notes, but uh, certainly we'll be watching and, and paying attention to that game, or those two games. So so the way I see it, and, and I don't think this is groundbreaking because I think it's how most people see it, is Oklahoma and LSU, which is being played at 4 o'clock, that's in Atlanta, that is a interesting game. And if it is competitive in the second half, it is a stop doing anything you might be doing and pay very close attention. But LSU is a two-touchdown favorite, and Oklahoma's defense isn't very good. And Oklahoma has several guys suspended. And I think, though I don't know for certain, that LSU's star running back, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, is going to play, even though he's had some injury uh, stuff going on. And I don't know that that is a all-in game because it might not be a great game. The second game, Clemson and Ohio State, that's as good as it gets in college football. If you're not interested in that game, there's nothing wrong with that. That's perfectly okay. You're just not a college football fan. Well, and there are some good storylines, too, because, you know, obviously, you know, what Dabo Sweeney has done at at Clemson and and gotten that program – to where they're just a, a juggernaut, um, and you know, I think to me equally interesting. And, and there's a, I don't have a huge tie to this, uh, but I'm I'm interested to see you know Ryan Day, first year head coach. He, he was a former assistant at, at at BC when I was covering the team, so it's been fun to see him kind of have a, a really good year. And of course, you know, the, for the Buckeyes, I mean, it's maybe a chance at redemption for them, and uh, and trying to get a win against Clemson. I mean, this is I mean, I would think Clemson is probably going to win the game, but uh, you know, I think I don't. You know what's interesting? I I wonder if this is a north-south thing, right? Because I wonder if if most people want the Buckeyes to win, or because you know we're taping this, we're in Charlotte, North Carolina, so we're two hours from Clemson. So obviously here, there's a lot of uh, love for the Tigers. Although a lot of people from Ohio have moved down here too, so it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, on Saturday to see all the reaction from local people here in Charlotte. But I I wonder nationally if if people are more interested in the Tigers or more interested in the Buckeyes. 
Yeah, I don't know, but like if you like players, and with all due respect to Joe Burrow, who won nearly unanimously the the Heisman Trophy and, and completely deserved it, had a spectacular year for LSU. I think there's an argument that Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback for Clemson, and Chase Young, the defensive player for Ohio State, they could be the two best players in the country. Yeah, and they're playing in the same game. And you've got Ohio State, who played that unbelievable schedule down the stretch, beating Penn State, Michigan, and Wisconsin in three consecutive weeks to to make it to the playoff against a Clemson team that's the defending national champions. But the big knock on them, and it's a legitimate knock, is who have they played? I mean, people talk about that close call against North Carolina, but you really have to go back to to the very beginning of the year when they beat Texas A&M to beat anyone that you go, oh, yeah, they're they're decent or pretty good or, or, or something along those lines. But since the close call against North Carolina, they have run roughshod over everyone. I mean, they're putting up 50 a game, and they're giving up seven or something. I mean, they, they're crushing their competition, and – you don't know. I mean, there's that question mark of, I know they were really good last year. I think they're really good this year, but they haven't really played anybody. I think that is an absolutely fascinating game. And if either of those teams move on to play LSU in the championship game, again, I think you've got a terrific, intriguing matchup. I mean, if it's Lawrence and Burrow, it's maybe the two best quarterbacks in the country. If it's Ohio State and LSU, it's probably the two teams that have been best throughout the entire season playing against each other. I mean, I'm not a watch every single college football game all year long, and and we've talked it into the ground. I really think it's an inequitable system. I I think for a team like App State that has an unbelievable year, you lose your coach, you lose one game, you play in a meaningless ball game, and nobody gives a coot. But this is as good as it gets. Clemson and Ohio State, I, I, I think that's, that's you know, turn off everything else around you and watch that game on, uh, on Saturday night. Well, and for our purposes, Dave, uh, you know, we're probably more biased toward the early game because that's the Sean McDonough game. Nothing against Chris Fowler. He does a great job. But uh, I think from the announcer standpoint, from, from the standpoint that you and I come from, that's the the better matchup is the four o'clock game, but the eight o'clock game is gonna be a great football matchup. But we like Sean McDonald. Well, let's put it this way: <laughs> I think if it's a blowout in the fourth quarter, Sean will keep it interesting as he frequently does. He's got lots of stories to tell and uh, conversations especially to be had. If, especially if you, like sad, if you like the sad, if you if you like the you know the the dog dying the day of the game and winning for the uh, you know winning for patches. I think you know Sean has that market cornered. Yeah, there's there's no question about that. And that brings us to Sunday, where I think the AFC playoff picture is pretty straightforward. Baltimore is playing a meaningless game. Whether they win or lose, they're the number one seed. If the Patriots beat the Dolphins, they're the number two. At that point, Kansas City can play their guys and win and be the three seed, or they could not play their guys. Maybe Houston moves up to the three, although I think the likelihood of Kansas City winning and being the three is pretty strong, particularly since Houston is playing a Tennessee team who needs the game in order to make the playoffs. When you look at where that AFC playoff picture is, and we'll talk about the AFC and then the NFC, and then we'll we'll call it a uh, call it a day here on the Bearded Cardcast. When you look at where that is, 
Baltimore and New England likely to get the buys. Kansas City probably the three and Houston the four. Do you think, and I think it's the conventional wisdom, I think it's the right wisdom, that Baltimore has the easy path because Kansas City and New England are on a collision course. No, no doubt about it. And, you know, and that's a game, you know, much like the Saints game that we'll talk about here uh, shortly. Um, you know, they're playing all their guys uh, against the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, New England, you know, they still want to get that, uh, that they want to clinch that by. They do it with a win. Um, but absolutely, you know, Kansas City uh, and New England are going to have to battle it out. Um, and, you know, for Baltimore, you know, it's it's been fun to watch. I mean, what if they won like 10 or 11 in a row? Uh, I mean, they yep. clearly, and, you know, we talked about 10 or 11 weeks ago, and I was still on the, hey, New England, it's got to go through New England. But, you know, that quickly changed about four weeks after that. And they continue to uh, to be a juggernaut. And, you know, I think the AFC playoffs and the college football playoff are very similar. I don't know if LSU is the best team, and I don't know if the Ravens are the best team, but I do know that it looks like their path is going to be the easiest. Playing Oklahoma is better than having to beat Ohio State and Clemson. And as Baltimore stands, they're going to get, in all likelihood, Houston or someone not as good, whereas New England and Kansas City, one is going to have to beat each other before potentially facing Baltimore. Right, and but what makes what makes to, uh, what makes Sunday interesting though, is that uh, both Kansas City and New England both need to win their games uh, in order to for a chance to to get that other number one seed because Baltimore is the only team in any of the two conferences that has already secured the number one buy, even in the NFC. Um, you know that's still, that, and that's why Sunday's going to be interesting, Dave. Because there's this, even though there, you know, there's only actually a couple of real, well, what about four actually playoff berths? Um, well, the one wild card in the AFC is the one that is the only one that's in question, right? Everybody else, I think, is has clinched. It's right. just a matter of who. The only NFC spot up for grabs is Dallas or Philadelphia. Right. Philadelphia controls right. their own destiny. In the AFC, you have that wild scenario that Oakland could still make it, but in all likelihood, Tennessee wins, they're in, and if Pittsburgh wins and Tennessee loses, then Pittsburgh's in. So if they both lose, the Raiders win, a couple other things happen, the Raiders get in, but but Tennessee controls their own destiny, and then Pittsburgh has that second opportunity. I will say before we close the book on the AFC, if J.J. Watt the playoffs i don't love bill o'brien but houston becomes that much more scary if in fact they suddenly have their best player in the lineup yeah and they believe in themselves you know i mean and there's you can't underestimate how important that is uh especially you know even though they had that stumble a couple weeks ago they, they still had that big win against new england and then they get jj watt back yeah and they come into the playoffs i think they feel good about themselves in the nfc it is difficult to decipher aside from if San Francisco beats Seattle, they are the number one overall seed. Correct. But New Orleans, Green Bay, and Seattle are all not only still alive for a bye, but still alive for the number one overall seed. The more I've watched and the more I've thought about it, I like New Orleans and San Francisco better than the rest of the group. Yeah. Seattle just appears awfully banged up right now. I do kind of well, like they're pulling Marshawn Lynch off Marshawn the street. Lynch. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a I good move. I kind of like that. He should be fresh. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they needed they needed bodies. But, I, I mean, I think the line injury, Brown's injury, is actually yeah. bigger than Chris Carson's injury. I wonder if they were peaked a little bit 
early. But if Seattle were to upset San Francisco and you're looking at Green Bay and New Orleans getting the bye, or, or as it stands right now, San Francisco is... Green Bay is the two. New Orleans then has to play in that first week. It, it, it's really interesting. When you look at Green Bay, do you see a team that's a Super Bowl contender, or do you see a team like I do that's kind of a step behind? Well, Dave, we, I think we've been on the same page with this. The whole I, I haven't been high on them all year, but they continue to win. Um, I mean, they will have 12 wins. 12 and 3, yeah. And they're at Detroit, so I mean, it's like that should be... You'd think that's an automatic, right? So, I mean, if, and if they win, they, um, they'll they clinch a first-round bye if they win. New Orleans, if for home field, this is where it gets kind of crazy. New Orleans, um, to clinch home field throughout the playoffs, they need a win. They need Green Bay to lose or tie, and they need San Francisco to lose or tie, which I don't think either of those look too, um, too promising. But, you know, if they get a Green Bay loss uh, or a San Francisco loss, or a tie in a Green Bay loss in a San Francisco loss, or a San Francisco loss in a Green Bay win, uh, they can they can uh, get a, clinch a first round by. So I mean, I I think all the, and I was a little surprised actually that our the Panther game didn't get moved into that four o'clock window just because uh, sometimes the NFL likes games that have similar meanings um, to uh, to go up against each other, and I, I thought it would be interesting. If, not that the, the Panthers are that exciting because of their record, but New Orleans is still, you know, in the fight for a first-round bye and potentially throughout the playoffs. Assuming Oakland doesn't make the playoffs, Green Bay's only wins against playoff teams this year will be the two against Minnesota and Kansas City when Pat Mahomes was injured. Yeah. I, I mean, I really think that their schedule is so far worse than everybody else among the NFC contenders. But if they get a bye, can you imagine New Orleans having to go to snowy, gross Lambeau Field? Exactly what they to do. Yeah. I mean, look at last week's game. Yes, New Orleans figured it out eventually, but they were sloppy for three quarters against Tennessee. They're a different team on the road. Yeah, well, they're not used to being outside, right? I mean, half their games, more than half their games have been inside. And that was the crazy thing about Atlanta. When Atlanta played... Uh, New England, uh, when Atlanta played the Panthers a couple weeks ago, it was their first game outside because obviously yep. all their games are inside, and then they they played everybody that was in a dome or a, a roofed stadium. Yep. Do Do you have any general thought? If in the AFC I gave you Baltimore or the field, would you take the Kansas City New England combo, or would you take the Ravens? Hmm. That's a good question. I mean. Right now, it looks. You know, I'm bullish on the Patriots. Uh, you know, I think head to head, the Ravens would be home, and the Ravens would probably win it. So I guess I'm going to take Baltimore. Interesting. I would take the field just because I, I need to see Baltimore do it in the playoffs. I love John Harbaugh. They've obviously had an unbelievable season, but but the way Kansas City's playing and Bill Belichick, I, I'd probably take that group. What about in the NFC? When you look at, at that landscape. Are there any two teams you would take? I would take San Francisco and New Orleans. Would you take any grouping of two teams over the other four playoff teams, or would you take the four-team group? I would have taken. I would take this. I would take. Um, I would take San Francisco and New Orleans. I think those are the two best teams. Yeah, I think those are the two best teams too. But it's funny how I mean, a me, month Seattle's ago, a little banged up. I mean, three weeks ago, I might have taken Seattle just because they were playing hot. But you know, they've had those injuries. Um, San Francisco looks like they've gotten it back together. 
uh, New Orleans. Three weeks ago, six weeks ago, I thought San Francisco, New Orleans, Seattle, New England, Baltimore. Those five teams were a touchdown better than anybody else. It now feels like they've all come back to the group. Like, would it shock you if Minnesota or Houston were in the Super Bowl? Minnesota or Houston? Yeah, I think that would surprise me. It would. Yeah. What What about if um, if uh, Tennessee or um, let, let's let's reset the question. How many teams can win the Super Bowl? Uh, it's funny as you were saying that I was thinking I would. I mean, to me, it's um, I, I would say it's Baltimore in that order and New England. And I think in the other conference, I think it's going to be New Orleans. Um, now, this is without a bracket. I mean, because New Orleans, San Francisco, to me, are the two best. So, th- I mean, those are the four teams I think should be in the, in the in the final four. You don't think Kansas City can win the Super Bowl? I think they can. I just don't think they will. Interesting. And Houston, even though Watt might come back, you think they're a step back? And I probably would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, Kansas City, look, I think they're a good team, but I, I just don't. I uh, I know Patrick Mahomes is the the next you know the next coming the, the next greatest thing in the NFL but um, I just think as a team uh, New, New England and, and Baltimore have better defenses and um, and Baltimore has their own quarterback on the rise New England has Tom Brady who's been there forever and then on the other side uh, you know Drew Brees it's hard to count him out and I think San Francisco just consistently has been the best team in the NFC all year. It's interesting you say that about Kansas City because I think that is the conventional wisdom. But the last four weeks, they've beaten Oakland. They gave up nine points. New England, they gave up 16. And they gave up a field goal each of the last two weeks to Denver and Chicago. I think Patrick Mahomes is not the next coming. I think he's the best player in the NFL. I think if it wasn't for Andy Reid, and I love Andy Reid, one of the great regular season coaches of all time, if it wasn't for his most recent last three four years playoff failures i think be on kansas city but it's the how many times do you have to be taught the same lesson before you can jump on board with them i mean i i think if you look at the talent level i think if you look at what they're doing recently they look as good as anybody but we've seen this year in and year out you get really involved and excited about them only to be disappointed yep i agree and that'll disappointing. do Disappointing. That's the name of the game. It's the yep. bearded car cast. <laughs> the disappointing bearded car cast? Is that the name? <laughs> we, will, uh, we will be back. We will talk about the, uh, the NFL playoffs and much more. Will we be back uh, next year? Will we have another episode this yeah, year? Is this the end of the 2019? This is, the final, this is it. Yeah, this is the, uh, the midseason, uh, the mid-year break, I guess. Now uh, our, our next – we're not going to do another podcast until next year, Dave. Wow. Well, Happy New Year. (laughs) Happy New Year to you as well, and of course to all our listeners.